Aloha and welcome to Friday Night Kunani Patrol. I am your host, Mikuni Munsayak. In this episode, I interview Amber Lethem. Amber is a professional sales and business coach. In this episode, we discuss a wide range of topics ranging from time management, business skills, dealing with anxiety, living with borderline personality disorder, the importance of positive affirmations, and so much more. Get into the mind of a professional sales and business coach. Without further ado, let's get started. Friday night, Kunane Patrol. Aloha, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Friday Night Kunani Patrol, the podcast with the goal of creating a community of optimal human beings. I am your host, Mikuni Munsayak, and today's optimal human being calling all the way from the island of Oahu is Amber Lethem. Amber, thank you for coming on, and please introduce yourself to the listeners. Aloha, and first and foremost, Mikuni, thank you so much for having me. I am honored, privileged to be here on your podcast tonight. Um, hi, everybody, friends, family, aloha. My name is Amber Lethem. I am a professional sales and business coach. And a little bit of background about me, born and raised in, in Hawaii, knocked on over 30,000 cold doors starting at the age of 19, did this crazy sales internship where I I worked all around the country and, and did door-to-door sales um, and then built a team. And today what I do is I take those same skills and principles that I learned in the school of hard knocks, if you will. And I coach CEOs, executives from companies such as Google, Bank of Hawaii, Caldwell Banker, you name it. So that's a little bit about me and Makuni, thanks for having me. <laughs> Thank you for coming on. And it is because of what you do and the message that you put out there, which is why I want to have you on today. So let's start with the nitty gritty. The number one question I have here is what is your why? Ooh. What is your why, Amber? What a freaking great question, man. Way to just end, like, way to just dive right in. <laughs> like, just sorry, because the, the listeners always just want the content, you know, they just want to hear it right away. They want to oh. So what's your what life for doing all this? I mean, you were knocking on doors, uh, and you were had your sales internship, and you built this team, and now you're coaching CEOs. Like, why? What? What is it for you? Why do you do it? Oh man, I think at the end of the day, uh, it goes down to impact and wanting to lift people up and to help people. Like my why, if I were to to sum it up as briefly as I possibly could, it would be to help people shake out, like to be shaken out of their day-to-day monotony, going through the motion sort of lifestyle and to get intentional about what they're doing and why they're doing it so they can live the most fulfilling lives according to what makes them come alive. So. And that is exactly the point for this podcast. So that's (laughs) nice. So let, let's delve back a little bit to your uh, door-to-door sales. Um, mm-hmm. How was that experience for you? And what are the things that you got from it? Because I remember, yeah, like when we were talking before, you were just literally knocking on doors and selling yeah. like, uh, <laughs> elementary school books, correct, to, to, to families. Yeah. So what did you get from that experience? And how did, how did that feel for you doing that in the first time? Oh, my gosh. Makuni, I 
I have gotten so much out of that program because I did that for six, six years, six summers, if I will, if you will. And um, a few big takeaways, I actually recently wrote a blog about this. So I can, I can name a few that I, I principles and skills I still learn, but probably the biggest thing I learned was my relationship to rejection and how to like change that because rejection, man, I think, I think no one likes to hear the word no ever. <laughs> really. And I heard it thousands upon like 28,000 times at least. Right. No, no, thank you. Maybe, which really is a no. So that was one big thing was changing my relationship to no and changing that from no and taking it personally to no means next, who's next, letting it go, that sense of grace. I also learned that attitude really is everything and keeping a good perspective. Um, So that's a big thing. Right. And just the power of perseverance. Um, yeah, I think those are some of the biggest things It really honed, it really honed in that practice, right? I got to like flex that muscle of what it means to hear no, and then to keep going and to hear no and to keep going. And so those are some of the biggest, biggest things I've learned, but so much, truly there's so much I can unpack there, but yeah, those are some of the big ones. So you said perseverance and you said that that's a muscle. And I think that's really profound because that's something you definitely have to build up and uh, you have to accept that resistance and, and work it like a muscle and to keep getting stronger because like, if you don't, then you're kind of just gonna stay stuck like not even doing anything. And then the whole yeah. relationship to rejection, like being able to be brave enough to take that chance. And then mm-hmm. when the rejection does, does come, like being like, okay, it's all good. Like I remember hearing before, I don't remember which person said it, but they said NO is an acronym for next one. Ooh, that's a good yeah. one. I love that. So that's probably something that you had to work on, especially because you were just, what was below, what was your pitch? Like when they had you going door to door and stuff? Oh man. Well, um, so, you know, a pitch, right. A pitch is like, it's actual, like when you're actually like selling your product. Right. Um, do you mean like, do you mean like my actual pitch or do you mean like when I was first knocking on doors and like my first initial, when I meet them? Sure. We'll do both. Both. Okay. Well, so my pitch, essentially, I, I think the best thing, man, I'm, I'm because I'm, because sales is like my, my bread and butter. I, I like clearly overthink this. I'm going to keep this simple again. Um, my pitch always came down to finding the need. And then once I found the need, I would then tailor my, my pitch to whatever that need was. And if I could fulfill it, um, that that's how my pitch oftentimes was, is what's your, you know, because it's educational it'd be like, do you struggle in math? Cool. Let me show you the math. Um, but when I was knocking on doors, which is when I would receive the most amount of rejection, uh, you know, things that they would have me do would be things like being, being calm and a little quieter with my voice because salespeople, when they're on, when they're doing pitches, they're oftentimes really excited and talking really fast and it's overwhelming. It's really, it's, 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 it's abrasive. Right. And so, you know, my approach would be, Hey, I'm, I'm Amber. I'm the young woman that's been sitting down with all the families here in DC and just going over some resources to help families save time with their schoolwork. I was just catching up with the Thompsons, you know, next door. And then the Johnson family, they've got the twins. Um, only takes a couple quick seconds. Do you have a place we can sit down? And that was how I would, that's how I would just lead right into a pitch. So does that yeah. answer your question? <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I think that can help for people who might be in sales themselves. I think something you said was being relatable and not being too aggressive because when people are in sales, they tend to be overly excited and put that pressure on people. And then it kind of like makes them back up from even wanting to listen to you. So the mm-hmm. fact that you're 
tapping into that human element and realizing like, hey, not everybody wants to get pressured and you're talking in a calm manner, that can uh, go a long way for sure. <laughs> so let's talk about time management. Like right now with your, with your job and working with these CEOs of companies and even just getting you on this podcast was kind of a hassle at first. So how do you manage your time and with all, everything going on? Yeah. Um, well, how I manage my time, obviously, it kind of starts with one's ability to prioritize and assess like what's important. And and I would say that as far as us getting scheduled homey, the time difference was just confusing. Like you're so important, right? <laughs> but the time difference, I was like, oh my goodness, this is so confusing. Yeah, I'm sorry Which about that. Oh, that's no, not your fault. It's just, it's just, it just is what it is. The math, all the things. But yeah. um, but teaching people time management. It's, I, I mean, uh, that's something no one is ever going to be perfect in, right? It's always kind of like, here's a target for the week, you know, keep going through it. But, but my kind of philosophy, um, which I also picked up from the book field, knocking on doors is schedule is your lifeline. And I know that if I take the time on a Sunday to organize my week, it actually saves me time because then I'm not sitting there trying to think of what to do next. And so it comes through the prioritization sort of funnel where I evaluate, you know, the whole important versus urgent, which that also, I believe comes from um, a book, uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I think it, it came from that book. Um, so I operate mostly through that framework. So. You said your schedule is your lifeline. Yep. Can you elaborate, lifeline. elaborate a little bit more on that? Yeah, if I don't keep my schedule, then I'm dead is the best way I think about it. Like I, I, I take it that seriously. Um, I think of it as like, it's it's my life support. It's it's that, that hose that connects me to my air tank when I'm 30,000 people or some, some crap like that. Right. But it's, it's with that intensity of like, if it's on my calendar, I'm going to do my best to keep it calendar integrity. That's, that's integrity. That's word with myself. Right. If I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. I am. And that's actually, you know, what I would say McCooney is that time management. Oftentimes what it really is, is self-management. There's no magic to it. It's it, at the end of the day, it comes down to you making the commitments and then you keeping those commitments amen girl I, I usually like to tell people like hey don't ever say you don't have enough time because everyone has 24 hours in a day and it's all about what you do with that time in the day and if something's important enough you'll make time for it right it's just about mm -hmm. managing and finding out what's actually the priorities in your life and a lot of times people don't really have those things lined up so they don't know where they should be prioritizing their time which is why Things are kind of scatterbrained. And another thing you said was having a plan. Like that's super powerful too. Uh, planning yourself, your, your, uh, your schedule at, at Sunday, like before the week starts and knowing those things are there. And then you said having the integrity to follow through. That's super powerful too, man. My goodness. And uh, I also find it easier to, like when you have a plan, it's a lot easier to follow through compared mm -hmm. to kind of doing guesswork. Like, okay, where am I going to go? So if people yeah. are listening to this, if you guys want to get stuff done, write it out, man. There's, there's power in writing things out and making a plan and making a schedule. My goodness, you guys can get so much more done. <laughs> so let's um, segue into having anxiety with all this. Like, man, I want to be successful and I want to do these great things, but I, I just have too much anxiety and I can't take action. Like, and I'm sure all of us experienced that. Like I, even before this podcast, I was like, okay, is this going to work out well? And I, you have that energy, but like for you personally, how do you deal with this kind of anxiety with life? 
Oh man, I think, I think if there's anything we all can relate to, especially in times like these, it's that our emotional and mental health, uh, man, it's just, just vital that we make sure that we take care of it just as well as we take care of our physical health. They're all, they're all interconnected. Right. Um, and so as far as, as far as doing the kind of work that I do, right. It's, it, it's, it is intense. It requires a lot of mental energy. It requires a lot of focus. It also requires a lot of self-study and continued self-development. Right. So how do I deal with that? How do, how do I manage that and perform even with having, you know, mental health, uh, let's say opportunities to, to tackle mental health, right? And the kind of perspective I take on my anxiety. Um, I, Makuni, I'll be very honest in saying that I, I spend a lot of time uh, practicing skills to help me overcome it. I have, to, I have to study how to overcome my anxiety. And I've, I, I go to intensive therapy. I was going twice a week where it was approximately four hours a week. Now I'm down to one hour a week. Um, but I use things like deep breathing. I use things like working out. I use, um, coping mechanisms like aromatherapy. So activating different senses, right. Um, that, that is, those are the things that I was taught of like, you know, distraction is, is something you can do in order to mitigate or to, to get yourself through it because anxiety Sometimes it's a wave and sometimes it's like you're strapped to a roller coaster and you can't really get off of it until your body is saying, okay, we're, we're done pumping these fight or flight chemicals through you. And so I'll, I'll do my best to utilize those skills and those practices and tips. And sometimes Makuni, I still have to power through it. So for instance, yesterday I had crippling anxiety, like terribly crippling anxiety and I had coaching sessions and my clients needed me to be there for them. And so I did everything I could. I even, I even was like hanging out with a dog. <laughs> really. I actually like had a dog with me and was like, okay, here I go. And then like, just kind of fake it till you make it and you, you kind of jump in. Right. And then sometimes that helps to pivot. So I guess at the end of the day, just taking action in any way, shape or form can help mitigate it. And, and then when it doesn't mitigate it, just keep doing the next right thing. Right. So. You mentioned breath work, deep breathing, yeah. and that's something that I've been extremely passionate about and have been learning a lot about lately. So I'm interested about what are some of the deep breathing techniques that you use? Yeah, well, I've only really learned like one from my counseling or therapy course. And it's, I mean, my, my therapist, he would, he would say, okay, now inhale for seven seconds, hold for four, and then exhale for eight. And so it's kind of this like, you know, others have had different numbers with it, where it's like four, 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 I don't know what they are, but it's the whole concept of holding, like inhaling as deeply as you possibly can, holding that air in, and then exhaling as hard, like with your mouth, you know, sort of thing. Um, I also do yoga. And so, so when I do yoga, like I often, I often just kind of think of like the meditation thing of like, okay, just inhale and then as many times as I possibly can try, try to do it at least 10 deep inhales and exhales. So, but I'm curious, I mean, I'm sure you've got a lot of great ideas for breath work. So feel free to I, tell me. I have been reading this book. <laughs> I'm actually on my second time reading. It. It's called the oxygen advantage mm -hmm. by Patrick McCune. And the main premise of the book is that the majority of the population of the world are over breathing. And what mm -hmm. he means by over breathing, like just like how humans can overeat food, people can over uh, exhale. So he says that carbon dioxide is, you know how we, ex we inhale oxygen and we exhale carbon dioxide, correct? Mm -hmm. If we are constantly breathing out through our mouth, 
we are lowering the levels of carbon dioxide in our bodies. And carbon dioxide is not just a waste gas. Carbon dioxide is the catalyst for oxygen to be released in our bodies. So therefore we need higher levels of carbon dioxide in our bodies, therefore making nasal breathing much more optimal compared to, to mouth breathing. And the, I think the reason why your um, deep breathing works, your seven, four, eight, is because it's forcing you to um, increase your lung and diaphrag diaphragmatic capacity. And then it's mm -hmm. having you hold that air, which is um, increasing your tolerance to your carbon dioxide. And then by exhaling, uh, you are practicing shrinking that diaphragm down because you want to make sure you are breathing like 360 degrees making because your your diaphragm literally goes towards like your lower ribs area so if you like put your hands on like your underneath your ribs every time you breathe in you should try to expand your diaphragm up until your lower ribs wow yeah. oh my and gosh it, yeah something to uh be mindful of and then every time you inhale through your nose you are uh, diaphragmatically breathing and you always want to engage your diaphragm, just like how, you know, when you sing, you want to have good posture and, and breathe with your diaphragm, correct? And then yeah. every time you inhale through your nose, um, nitrous oxide, you know, like in Fast and the Furious, mm -hmm. like nitrous oxide develops in your nasal cavity. So every time you inhale into your nose, you're putting nitrous oxide into your bloodstream and nitrous oxide um, is a vasodilator. So it opens up your blood vessels and allows for more oxygen oxygenation of the organs the muscles and all the tissue throughout the body this is like super mind-blowing stuff incredible oh my makuni i just learned something like holy heck man dude, wow dude i've been i've been going down this rabbit hole of breath work for almost a year now and i i just can't stop learning and it has made the craziest difference with my life because i was just looking for like that 1% to increase my, my training, you know, to get, to get the edge in competition. But once I discovered breath work, it has brought this like 4d element of mindfulness into my life. And mm -hmm. physiologically it's because now that I'm breathing through my nose more often and allowing more carbon dioxide to build up, I'm having more oxygenation throughout my body. So my brain is getting more oxygen, my muscles are getting more oxygen. So I'm thinking more clearly, I'm performing better and that affects my mood. And just, you know, just being mindful of your breath, like how, even if you ask yourself, like, how am I breathing? And then you just take that moment and then that brings you into the mindfulness aspect of just being aware of your energy and your life and kind of takes you away from all of the craziness in the world. You know what I mean? Like if you just pay attention to your breathing, then it's hard to pay attention to a lot of other things. So when I'm working with people, uh, with my clients and all of my uh, students, I try to tell, I start with the breath. Like we don't start class until we do breath work because uh, you need to make sure, because a lot of athletes, they'll warm up physically, you know what I mean? Like do physical warm ups, but they won't warm up the, uh, the respiratory muscles. And the muscles that you use to breathe is what's going to fuel you throughout the entire workout. So it just makes sense to warm up your respiratory uh, muscles before you actually do the physical workout. Does that make sense? It makes complete sense. Makuni, that's so enlightening. And even just in the time that we've just talked and spoken about breath work, here we are, we both are like taking deeper breaths. And I just, physiologically, I already feel just like slightly, just like, do you, I mean, you feel it too, right? Like I, all of a sudden I feel like, 
for some reason, even just a little better, just by breathe, like deeply breathing just for the last minute or so talking to you. That's the beauty of breath work. Like there's, <laughs> that's the beauty of it. It's like, you can feel it immediately, immediate, uh, yeah, immediately. I totally. try to promote that to everyone. <laughs> and uh, another thing that I do, cause I don't know if you do zoom meetings a lot, but every time I do these podcasts, I try to hold my breath a little bit when I, when I listen to people, because like I said, why you're, um, the higher levels of carbon dioxide, the more oxygenation you have. So if you're holding your breath, you're allowing more carbon dioxide to build up, which is opening up the blood vessels, which is sending more oxygen to the brain. And I feel like I have like this tunnel vision when I do these breath holds, when I'm in doing these zoom meetings and it allows me to have like this hyper focus when listening to people and be more aware of like what they're saying. And it makes me like a better communicator. And you know what I mean? Like, Oh man, I could go down this rabbit hole forever, but uh, I don't <laughs> enough about me enough about me no this is great we both are learning from each other so totally value add (laughs) okay so i was looking through your social media like your facebook and you do a lot of hiking girl a lot of hiking my goodness (laughs) and um, i had another guest on um, brandon harris and he was talking about the importance of just being out in nature and how powerful that is just to step away from the the crazy nine to five and get out like what's your take on that and why is going out and hiking and being out in nature important to you you know man it's so funny you ask because i was just talking to somebody about my thoughts on hiking and being outdoors yesterday wow would you look at that yeah no it's great and ended up and i ended up obviously hiking at sunset so what are my what's my what are my thoughts on that man simple i i freaking love it like i I love it. I think I'm so fortunate to have grown up in Hawaii. So there's like that, you know, it's been part of my lifestyle, but, um, there's a quote I once read. It's something along the lines of like, you know, whenever you go out in nature, you actually receive more than you, you actually realize something along the lines of that. But anyways, my thoughts on hiking and being in nature is that it really is so perspective giving and we're my, we're reminded of our own insignificance, not to say that we're insignificant, but to give you an example, um, part of part of where like the anxiety or whatever, I mean, and everyone kind of goes through this, it's just all that's happening in life, right? Like our, our problems feel so stinking big sometimes. They kind of mushroom cloud. I don't know if you can relate to that, but I know that that happens for me. And so when I get out of nature and I'm reminded by my own of my own insignificance, what I mean by that is it makes my problems just seem not so not so big. Like there are a lot of other things happening in the world, not to discredit what one is going through, but it certainly just makes me realize that like, Amber, it's not that big of a deal. You're going to, you're going to figure something out. You're going to, you're going to find a a solution or if not a solution, some, you're going to grow in a way that this no longer is a problem. And And I think that that's one of the biggest things it gives me. It also is amazing because when you're hiking, you're obviously working out and your, your, your blood pressure increases and your heart rate increases and you're exercising. And I don't know about you, but I know that no one I personally know comes out after a workout and feels like crap, right? Like the endorphins get pumping and, and you're breathing clean air. So that's my take on hiking. (laughs) I just just said that we just, uh, I think I was talking, you know, Alex Lum. I had Alex oh, on this. Oh my gosh, wait, yeah. from, from Castle? From Castle High School. Well, he wasn't in Castle. He was from Kaimukia, I think. Yeah, uh, we, but we, we all did we did theater. theater. Yeah. yeah, I had him on this podcast. 
And uh, we just talked about, he said the same thing, like, oh, I don't know anyone who ever went through a workout and uh, regretted it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Actually, it's fun. So if you guys are listening to this, Amber and I know each other because we did theater together um, back in high school. <laughs> Shout out to Castle Performing Arts Center and uh, Kaneohe Crew. And yeah, we did a show called Little Abner and I was Available Jones and she was my creation, Stupefying Jones. So that's just a little side note. So if you guys want to have some trivia, right? Am I correct? Am I right? Yeah, that was a good time. Those were good times. I was like... <laughs> Short glory, the glory days <laughs> the glory days man that that crew that group of people man that was like one of the best times of my life and I would travel all the way from the other side of the island just to go and spend time with these these people who were just full of life my goodness and shout out I mean I look back at all I mean I still look at all the friendships or the friends even from that group and everyone in that group really is like doing things with their lives that are meaningful and and you know giving to the world in, in their capacity in the ways that they think is that's, that's awesome that. yeah well shout out to, again shout out to the castle performing arts crew <laughs> you guys were an amazing part of our lives so exactly. you were talking about exercise what mm -hmm. about what's your exercise do you have like a schedule do you plan these out too like what's your uh, workout routine yeah um so i i am not incredibly rigorous with my like my systems in my workouts, I would say that that's where a really good fitness coach could come in. And, and that would be an area of growth for me. I've in the past, I've had fitness trainers. And so I've picked up exercises every now and again, but I like to start my day off with a victory. And that victory is with at least one morning walk, if not a morning walk, then a morning, if, sorry, I should say a, a workout. And if not a workout, then at the very least a morning walk, um, where I take 15 to 20 minutes to walk up a hill and turn around and down. Um, but when I do work out, oftentimes it's at least 20 to 30 minutes of intense cardio. And then I like to do strength training. Um, but, but if I were to be honest, Makuni, it's like when I, when I, when I work out, I, I just like to be active and like it's through my lifestyle. So the hiking thing, I would be like, that's my working out, surfing, free diving, scuba diving, um, those, those are kind of my workouts, which is why I'm not so regimented, which, ah, again, area of growth. <laughs> I could, I could be improved in that, but, but I've stopped drinking. And so I don't need to work out as much to, to be as in shape as I am. So that's good. So I think yeah. it's, um, these morning walks that you were talking about, I've been listening to a lot of successful people and they say that it's really productive for them. It helps them, uh, get their thoughts going, helps the blood, um, pump. And then, um, do you do it fasted? Because I've also heard studies about, low, I'm um, sorry, low intensity, steady state cardio first thing in the morning in a fasted state will help to uh, remove body fat. So if you like wake up first thing in the morning and you're fasted and you, as long as you're staying at a low intensity and your heart rate's staying at a pace to where you can still talk, then your, your body will burn fat if you go on these walks consistently. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I would say, I would say that's absolutely what I do. Um, I, I do intermittent fasting now it's not, it's not something I think of because it's a habit. Um, but yeah, I, I have, I guess since, I feel like since college, I've pretty much like to work out in the mornings on average, not every day, cause I'm not perfect, but I prefer to have my mornings be like my workout and active time, because as you said, it helps me get clear. And it also helps them remove a lot of that emotional, um, I don't know, but I don't know. So Build here's up. the thing, what I, what, I, what I do know is when I'd start my day off with a workout, I am able to make wiser, wise mind decisions where I'm not so elevated. I don't know. It's like I've got this, these energy 
compartments. So yeah. I think I can explain that. There's this book yeah. that I've been reading called the uh, To Think Fast and Slow. Mm-hmm. And he talks about the two different minds and about how the first mind is, um, is like the animal instinct where it's making decisions very quickly and uh, it's rational. And then there's the slower, more analytic mind. So perhaps since you're exerting all of your energy first thing in the morning, it takes away all of that, uh, those, those crazy hormones and it allows yeah. you to be more relaxed and have a more uh, calm approach when you're dealing with life perhaps. Totally. It's like, I don't have the energy to be emotional. It's like, I'm, I'm like, I'm not going to put that much energy to this because I have energy to conserve now for the rest of the day. So am I going to get upset about this? Nah. <laughs> I like that. I like that. That's really good. And you're doing intermittent fasting now. I was doing intermittent fasting for a while too. Um, and it was helping me with regulating my weight, but man, as an athlete, uh, especially mixed martial arts, since we're um, exerting so much energy and burning so many calories. Intermittent mm-hmm. fasting was causing me a lot more harm than good. Um, wow. Yeah, because um, I was just burning way too many calories and I wasn't getting enough. And so mm-hmm. what was happening was my hormones were all uh, all off whack. Like I was losing hair, like I had a bald spot in the back of my head. Oh, and no. uh, yeah, I was suffering from insomnia and like, yeah, my emotional state I was like irritable. And I was like wondering like, why? Like, you know, I'm doing mixed martial arts. I'm working out six days a week. Like, I love what I do. Why am I so stressed out? And it was part of the reason was because um, my diet wasn't on check. Like, mm-hmm. I needed to make sure that I was fueling for um, for my sport and fueling to perform rather than uh, just eating for aesthetics. Because I was so concerned with like, oh, I want shredded abs. I want to, you know, look cut and look like the guys on the Instagram and stuff. And <laughs> man, it really it wasn't serving me. My goodness. Yeah, I I agree. I think in that if people are intermittent fasting, anyone on your podcast, it's like you also need to take the time to listen to your body. I'm I'm fortunate enough to have a girlfriend. uh, Her name's Christina Farias. She runs at Farias Fitness. Super man. She's an incredible trainer. You know, Um, she also does work for Fleetwood Mac. And she was the one who because I was initially doing the whole uh, I think it was 18, 16, 8. And she was the one who helped. She was like, try and let's try and change that a little bit. And she's, she gave me bigger windows. And um, again, so in, intermittent fasting will work for some people. And at the same time, as you said, eat to what's appropriate for like your season and what you're doing to help you perform. Um, Amen. And that's different for everyone, right? Like sometimes intermittent fasting will work for your lifestyle. And cause that's just the only energy you need, but sometimes you're an athlete or sometimes you have more stuff to do. So just listen to you. If you guys would listen to your body and fuel your body when it's asking you to, then you could uh, perform and function a lot better. <laughs> okay. So let us transition into a heavier topic. One of the other things that I saw on your Facebook was you were open about borderline personality disorder and um, this podcast I want it to be open to everyone so and I'm sure there's a lot of people who deal with um, mental health issues so maybe you can enlighten us on your journey and what you're doing now to stay in a forward direction yeah thanks um so borderline there are actually more people diagnosed with borderline uh, than than most realize and Borderline is pretty complex in that, I guess the best way to explain it is this. 
think of a rainbow, okay? A rainbow as the spectrum of human emotion, right? And let's say that that rainbow goes from orange to blue. That is the normal human being. When they're sad or angry or upset, they hit the blue mark. And when they're happy, they hit the orange, right? They're excited, life is great. Okay, think of that spectrum. And think of that spectrum as if it's the thickness of maybe like your thumb, okay? Like, like your thumb, that's, that's the average human spectrum. Someone with borderline personality disorder means that their emotional spectrum isn't just wider, where it goes from ultraviolet to red, but it's also more intense, where that band is, is about as thick as like, let's say the palm of your hand. Right. And so how this happens is it's an overproduction of chemicals in your brain um, as a result of uh, child trauma when it's a protective mechanism, essentially is what it is. It's a, it's a hyper hyper developed defense mechanism in the space of connection with other people. And and as a result of having such intense emotions. Right. Like when I experience happiness, it's euphoric. It's, it's magnetic, it's intense. And I'm sure you've been on that side where you felt it. And then the opposite spectrum is, is when I'm, I'm sad or hurt is it's, it's, it's really intense. It's, it's debilitating. It's to a point where, uh, and this is why I, I go to therapy is because um, my coping skills, I didn't, I didn't have those self-soothing skills. I didn't know how to handle my emotions because they were so, they are, and they still are, they're so intense. And so oftentimes I'm questioning, people are like, why are you so upset about, you know, why are you so upset about this? It's so little, like the broken pencil, but I'm like, but it's a broken pencil. And it's, it's, and, and sometimes it's valid and sometimes it's not, right? But the point is, is that because I'm experiencing or so, I'm, you know, that, that emotional intensity is so, it's so great it's hard to decide how to handle it. And so part of being diagnosed with borderline is not having great coping skills. And so those, those bad coping skills, not, I shouldn't say bad, but like socially not appropriate coping mechanisms that people with borderline have done would be things like self-harm. Um, and so I, I don't say that, I hope it's not a trigger for anybody, but I say that because it's, it's something to be aware of. So. Yeah, I don't do that now. I'm, I've worked really hard so that that's no longer part of my life. But that's but that people with borderline oftentimes struggle with things like self harm and suicide because of how intense their emotions are. So, so you just experience life extreme on both yeah. ends, and it's hard to regulate and keep that balance because of the physiological part of an excess of these chemicals and hormones. That's very interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. Hmm. It's not, and, and I have to say that, like, I really seek to be grateful. Like, I, I, I do my best to, like, man, frick, Makuni, I'm so human. I'm so stinking human. Like, I, there are days where I'm, like, I really hate having borderline because that the negative crap is not fun to deal with. And I have to tell you, I mean, I went scuba diving last weekend, and I was so happy. It was, I was, like, to tears. I just having the time of my life and just being so grateful and, and happy. And in that moment, I realized I was looking at, I was looking at my, my boyfriend, Damien, and I was telling him like, this is borderline. He's like, you're so, so lit up. Like you're so freaking like 
out there and ecstatic and happy. And I'm like, this is borderline. And this is when I need to be grateful for it because I know so many people who tell me, Amber, I wish I could experience life as richly and as like with that flavor, that saltiness that you do. Right. I don't know. Yeah. But they don't realize the other end of the spectrum though. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's, that's where, even in those hard times, I stopped to be grateful because without that, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have that intense joy. So I think something that might help, uh, there was this affirmation that I keep hearing from this guy I follow on YouTube. His name is hindsight. And something that powerful that he says is um, you are exactly where you're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. So anytime I ever feel, because, you know, we all feel those waves of negative emotion as well. Uh, But ever, whenever I feel it, I just say, you're exactly where you're supposed to be. And that affirmation just allows me to be presently where I am and not have any judgment of, of how I'm feeling and just let it, let it, let me feel it. And then another um, tip, another uh, tool that I use to deal with um, negative emotions. There was this acronym that I learned from this Buddhist monk that I saw a video of. And he said, whenever you feel uh, emotions, just let it rain. And rain stands for recognize Mm-hmm. accept uh investigate and then non-identify mm. and I, I when i heard that that was just super powerful because it's like yeah you you are not these like negative emotions like you are something greater mo- most definitely and once you can recognize those things that are happening and, and accept them without any judgment and then kind of investigate okay well why am i feeling this way and then get to the root of it and then just let it pass and not identify yep. then it's like, okay, things are a lot easier now. Amen. Yeah. DBT. So dialectical behavior therapy that, that is specifically designed for people with borderline personality disorder. And I also think it's just incredibly valuable. I think it's just a great way of, of handling any emotions, regardless of whether you have mental health things or not, it's just awesome. But a lot of those practices, um, came from, I believe, Buddhist practice and it's the whole concept of like not being attached to your emotion and recognizing it's an entity of in and of itself and feelings come and then it's a choice to like act on those emotions and act on those feelings like people would oftentimes describe them as like a cloud and either you reach up and try to grab that cloud or you just let it float by or it's like a a wave and my therapist would be like I would be like I'm trying to surf the wave and he goes Amber don't surf the wave just sit on your surfboard and let the wave move past you and it'll move past you when it's ready to, or as it does and, and not identifying emotions as good or bad. It's just, emo- it's, it, it is what it is, right? Right or wrong. It's just, it, 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 it's there. The entity is there. Um, I love, I love, and I also love how you said affirmations. Um, one affirmation I started to really adopt, I'd say a lot this year was life happens for us not to us. I got that one from AJ Vaden. She's one of my old mentors from way back when I was at Southwestern. Um, but yeah. And she said, life happens for us, not to us. And so through that lens, also with mental health saying, okay, how, how do I need to get better? How is this for my benefit? Right. And seeing it through, this is helping me to grow in a way that man, it's, man, it's going to be great. Right. If I, whatever I do, if I grow to a point where this no longer affects me, it means I've developed X, Y, Z qualities and quantities or qualities, if you will, characteristics. So 
how is yeah. this for my benefit? That's really good, uh, something to think about. And then uh, <laughs> I also heard something like whenever you experience something negative like that, like there, that's an opportunity to see it from the completely opposite spectrum as well. Like yeah. whenever you have a problem, like uh, you can think about it from the opposite spectrum. So you can be like, no, it's, it's not really that bad as, as, as what we think. Totally. All righty, let's move on. Yeah. Um, you have been doing a lot of traveling, huh? Doing a lot of <laughs> solo backpacking, I saw. So let's talk about your travels and how that's um, added quality to your life. Where have you been? Where yeah. have you been going? Goodness gracious, Makuni. I mean, pre-pandemic, I was averaging like one new country a month. That's <laughs> what it felt like. I mean, I think it was one every two months. I, was, I, was, I got to eight new countries in the year of 2019. Uh, and I only got to one, obviously, with the obvious reason of the pandemic. But um, yeah, solo backpacking. And I recommend everyone take the opportunity to travel by themselves. I'm sure you've done it, Makuni. I mean, you're on the Philippines now, which is incredible. Um, but it's the first time I ever did it, I went to Cambodia and Thailand. And that was an excursion that was for me, with me, by me. And what I mean for, by that is like, I paid for all of it. It was a present to myself. And I got to spend a whole heck of a lot of time meeting great people, but also meeting myself again. And traveling again, it, I, I, going back to hiking, right? It, it kind of puts everything back into perspective, uh, our own insignificance not that we're insignificant because we all have value and can add, add purpose or add, add value to others and have a purpose. But it reminds us that man, like it's so important to just be ourselves. And, and we also get a chance to see other people's cultures and they're beautiful. People are amazing. If we let them be, people are amazing. If, if we also help one another, hurt, hurt people only hurt other people. That's, that's honestly what happens. And when I get to travel to other places, I appreciate their way of life, their, their food, hearing, even, even though I don't understand the language, hearing different languages, you know, like I, I was, it wasn't a book. I think it was an article I was reading, but how language even impacts how we think. So I, I mean, you know how you're just so passionate about self-motivation and self-development. I'd say I'm, I'm kindred with you in that regard. And I'm also very passionate about about cultures and people and what makes them them. So that's, I mean, solo backpacking is just, it I makes think, incredible I think time. we uh, were kind of fortunate because in Hawaii, it's a melting pot of culture. So we have so many different types of people that we meet and experience the different cultures and their families. But a lot of other people who are like from the States or maybe even here in the Philippines, I think it's uh, important that they go and experience these different cultures to see that there's more out there in the world than just this little bubble that where they are. It is. Yes. Amen to that. It is. I think it's actually really important that people travel, whether it's by themselves or not. I mean, that that's a whole different element. Right. And I think that that, that that's for a very different kind of journey. If you're traveling with others, let it be what it is, but, um, take the time to learn about other people. I think it would eliminate a lot of problems if we just remembered that even though someone is Chinese or Japanese or from Pakistan or Egypt or Africa or the Philippines, wherever you're from, like they're still humans with emotions, with souls, with good intentions, with, you know, and, and we're all work in progress. And, and I think 
I think the world would be a way better place if we just remember to just do good, do, do to the best of our abilities. I think yeah. I heard this quote where they said, what unites us is greater than what divides us. So like we have a lot more things in common with a lot of other people as far as like these emotions and hopes and dreams and these backgrounds. And so we should learn how to understand other people and yeah. connect at that aspect rather than judging all of the differences that we have. And if we do have differences, just seek to understand them at least. Yeah. And it goes back to what you're talking about with the RAIN acronym, investigate. Um, I grew up in a really conservative household. And I went to Baylor University out in Texas, which is great. Like it's, it's awesome. It's, it's also Christian and conservative. And so, you know, for a very long time, I had this framework that it's all about like, this is my one and only truth. And, you know, I, I mean, I, people can agree or disagree with this, but having gone, gone to so many different countries, I've been to 23 different countries now, Antigua, Barbuda, Australia. Um, I mentioned Cambodia. I've also been to the Arctic Circle. Right. But if there's anything I've also learned, it's that um, one way isn't the only way. Like, like truly, I think at the end of the day, it's actually about love, about loving people. Well, it's about loving yourself. Well, like that, that's actually, I think at the end of all of this, I think whatever entity is out there is going to laugh at all the religious little rules that we created. And it's going to be, it's just going to be like, you know, honestly, all I wanted you to do was just love each other love and love yourselves. And by doing so, that's how you honor, you honor me, whatever it may be. So that's what I learned. That's kind of something, I mean, it's a little touchy subject, especially with other people, but I kind of want to delve into it. It's my podcast. I'm going to do what I want to do. And I think it's going to help people out though. Um, religion. Um, I know personally for me, I also grew up Christian and thinking like, you know, this God is the one and only true God. And this way is the only way. And then when I went to college and started taking an introduction to world religion class and realizing that there are so many different religions and that religion is just a, a tool for people to make sense of the things that don't really make sense. And it kind of gives them just this general direction in life and principles to be a good person. But that really opened up my mind because like, you know, growing up thinking that there's this God in the sky and that he's judging you and you might go to heaven or hell. And then at the same time, you still have kind of questions about it. Like, is that really true? Like, uh, talk to me a little bit about your experience with growing up in this Christian background and now like having your mind a little bit more open. Yeah. I, I would say that that transition really happened after college. Um, I maybe, maybe towards the end of my collegiate you know, season, but, but definitely when I moved to Atlanta, Georgia, which is a, an incredibly liberal state. Um, and also had, had some like life things happen where I had to really question what is, what is it that I actually believe in? Um, right and wrong, right and wrong was a huge part of growing up as a Christian. This is right. This is wrong. Divorce is bad. You know, abortion is bad. And it was uh, being gay is bad. And it was, I think when it really hit me, Makuni, is when I was living in Atlanta and I was at a, at a taco, I was at a Mexican restaurant uh, off of Emory and I was talking to a, a bartender and she was, she was gay. Um, and I just remember be, how nice she was. And then thinking to myself, she's doing no harm. Here's this incredible person. And she's like serving me and we're having a, and we're just chatting as she's like helping me with my lunch. And I, and I just had a, I, God stopped me in my tracks. And I was like, there's no way that someone like as kind and as amazing or as great as this is 
they're going to get punished for eternity because they choose to love somebody that's the same gender. <laughs> like it's love, you know? And so I think that that was kind of the seed where I started to ask questions like, but right or wrong, like who says this is right or wrong? Is this causing harm? And I think for me, that's, that's where my spirituality kind of developed where I was like, you know, it's actually about how can we love each other really well? And so that's where it kind of sprung up. And then it kind of segued into all the different areas of my life where that question has always been around, is this causing harm or is this causing good? So that's, does that make sense? I, I don't know if that makes yeah, sense. No, that totally makes sense. Of journey, all that's that kind a of way to really kind of gauge that morality of what is right and what's wrong. Is it really causing harm? No. Then why is it getting all this bad rep? And it's interesting if you think about like Hawaiian culture, um, mahus were mm -hmm. highly revered. You know, mm -hmm. they were thought of as like this, this, this uh, entity that has the duality of both the male and the female. And so they were highly respected and they used to give advice to the chiefs and stuff. And they have that, this perspective uh, that, um, that the regular people don't have, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. Totally agree. So good. <laughs> okay. Um, let's wrap this up. We are kind of going down on time. So there are seven uh, key principles that I keep preaching to all of my clients and that I keep preaching on this podcast. And there are, they are these um, seven foundational keys to living your best life. That's what I call it. Like if you want to start living your best life and, and unlock your optimal human performance, you need these seven keys to unlock it. So I mm -hmm. want to, I want to share them with you. And then I want you to comment, agree, disagree, add on. <laughs> okay. I agree on all of them. <laughs> Let's go. Let me hear it. Okay. Number one, functional breathing. Mm. Number two, mindfulness. Number three, adequate sleep. Mm. Number four, proper hydration. Mm. Number five, balanced nutrition. Number six, stress management. And number seven, consistent exercise. And I put them in that hierarchy because exercise is definitely the least important because if you don't have all those other stuff in check then you're not going to feel the way you really want to feel and it, number one is breath work because it starts with the breath because i feel like once you start paying attention to okay how am i breathing then the mindfulness will kick in and then you start being more mindful of how you feel then you can start paying attention to these things like am i getting enough sleep uh, am i hydrating enough am i eating well am i managing my stress correctly but it all starts with the breath what do you think? What are your thoughts? What are my thoughts? Well, first and foremost, there's no right or wrong. I heck totally appreciate. I think, I think there's, yeah, the answer is yes to all seven of those. Absolutely crucial. They're, they're super crucial to one, being able to live a sustainably healthy life. You need to make sure all those things are in check, right? As far as prioritization, I think what I would do is provide or offer a different framework or perspective. Sure, sure. And rather than it being a tiered, like one out of seven, I would consider it, consider it more of like a wheel, like a pie. Like these are all like on a scale of one to 10 and then think of it as a wheel. Right. And if you're doing all those things well, then it's a perfect wheel. And if, if there's a little misstep, you're going to notice that bump. Right. Um, and so I offer that perspective because I can't think my way into proper acting Sometimes and more oftentimes than not, as someone who is a business and sales coach and holds people accountable and helps people take action 
personally and professionally so they can see the results, whether it's more money, better time. Sometimes you have to act your way into proper thinking, which means sometimes it's about just taking action. And so it's like when I, when I don't have proper breath work and when I'm not like being mindful or if I'm like angry, I'm going to go take my, take my little princess poopy pants, ego, whatever it is I'm being right. Like that, that little monster, if you will, because we all are every now, we all have our moments. Right. And I got to take that little girl out for a run. Right. And then by running, then I get into that space of mindfulness. I'm like, okay, that energy's okay. And then I'm, and that cadence of a, of a run or a walk, it, there's, there's a cycle, there's a cadence, there's a rhythm, right? And I think that they're all, they all pour into one another, which is why I provide the framework of a wheel. So that, that is it. I can't think my way into proper acting. Sometimes I have to take the action and act my way into proper thinking. I think that's powerful because there might be a lot of other people who are like you that aren't so much, uh, they have a hard time with thinking about it. So they just have to, they just have to move. And I think it was Tony Robbins or something. He said like your, your physiology affects your psychology or something like that. So sometimes you just got to move and get your energy going. Right. (laughs) Yeah, totally. I mean, that's one of the biggest reasons I coach clients. Um, you know, and, and when I conduct sales meetings, it's like, all right, everyone stand up. All right, everyone put your hand up to the sky, you know, say something positive. You actually can't, you can't think of something negative when you're saying something positive out loud. Right. And, and at the same time, there's value. Like they, again, they all pour into each other. Sometimes you can think your way into better acting, but most oftentimes it's the action that gets to go on. Man, that's, mm-hmm. a, that's super powerful. Getting moving, getting active, and then even saying the right things too, like telling yourself the right things, like these affirmations. I, I know this is really big for you, right? Don't you like write stuff out and put them like oh, finders everywhere? I, I think that. I remember seeing something like that. And that's, it's hey man, I love it. I love it. Cause it's just an extra reminder that you're, you're a fantastic, beautiful person. So like, what are some of the stuff that you wrote out? Oh man, I, I have so many, so many kind of go-to phrases, right? Um, one of my, uh, some of my power phrases would be, I am strong, steadfast, safe, and selfless. Um, you know, today I will do what others won't. So tomorrow I can accomplish what others can't. Um, integrity always is a big one for me. Cause when I, I notice that if I ever like miss a commitment or if I lie, or if I don't, if I miss, if, if I'm, if my integrity is not aligned, that affects my self-confidence and my, um, holy heck, man, that chips with my self-confidence so quick. Um, so that would be one integrity always. And then I love to read Ogmandino, the greatest salesman in the world. Um, yeah, definitely. I'll send, actually, I should just, I'll, I'll find it on Amazon and I'll text you the link for it. Um, that's a good one because it talks about like, today I will be the master of my emotions or today I will live this day as if it were my last. Um, my last thing I would recommend for things I write out would be the optimist creed. Have you heard of that one yet? Say it again. The Optimist Creed. I think I, I can, I can, I'll, I'll send you whoever it was. I think it was Christensen is might be his name, Christian Larson, something like that. I could be totally wrong, but his opening phrase is today. I will be today. I promise myself to be so strong that nothing can disturb my peace of mind to talk health, happiness, and prosperity to every person I meet to look at the sunny side of everything and make my optimism come true. To, uh, and it, to, today I promised myself uh, to make my friends feel that greatness lies within them. It's just, oh, it's so good, you know? So that's what I read every morning. My, I call it my morning, my morning brainwash, if you will. Um, and then on my steering wheel, I have a question that says, did I, did I give 
Amber's God-given best. Did I? And that's what I have on my steering wheel. So beautiful. I think something that you said that was really powerful was the integrity thing. And if you're acting against your integrity, how it it can affect your mental, like, yeah, I, I always tell people, like, if you're not going to give from the heart, don't give it all. And if you're not going to do something with the right intention, then don't do it at all. Because if you're doing things and you don't have the proper integrity behind it, then it's just going to, it's going to weigh on you big time. Oh, and not just mentally, but it'll, yeah, it'll chip you and it'll end up taking that physical effect as well. So mm-hmm. just some advice for all you guys listening out there. <laughs> yeah, totally. And totally. And then and then the catch in that is when you, when, when I notice my clients is when they, when they're out of integrity then they beat themselves up, like if they didn't keep that commitment, then they're like, oh, I should have. And it's just that ugly cycle. So the last thing I think I would leave, leave someone with, if they are struggling with like keeping their word to themselves, um, the last thought I would leave them with is just do the next right thing, right? Whatever that little micro action is, you'll create micro momentum in the right, in the right direction. Right. So as little, even the tiniest little decision, right? So for me, for instance, like if I used to beat myself up, if I wasn't up by 5.45 in the morning and wasn't working out by six, I would, oh my gosh, it got so bad. Within to a point where I wasn't even honoring it anymore. And every morning I was waking up mad at myself, right? Dumb, totally silly. Told, you're laughing because I'm sure you've related to this. Anyways, so then my right thing right would be to roll out of bed and do at least 10 pushups and then go take a quick cold shower. And that's like just a victory under my belt. So it's just- What's the next right thing, right? No matter how small it is, because when you start to then stack those tiny little things, that micro momentum turns into macro momentum, which gets you going back in the right direction. Powerful. Yeah. Powerful. So if you guys are stuck on something, something didn't go your way, it's okay. Do the next thing right, because you will both build momentum in the right direction as long as you continue with it. Correct? Perfect. All right. (laughs) Last question for you, Miss Amber. What is your opinion on optimal human performance? What is optimal human performance to Amber Lethal? Optimal human performance, according to Amber Lethal. I would say optimal human performance. Optimal human performance would be doing your best, doing your best on whatever your best looks like for that day in alignment with what makes you come alive. Optimal human performance to me is someone obviously taking action, but mostly taking action in the things that are like lighting them on fire. Um, And one of my favorite quotes is, don't ask what the world needs, ask what makes you come alive because what the world needs is more people who've come alive. I, I think you've seen that in all my emails and all that. But when I think of optimal human performance, that that quote really rings true to me. So that would be it. Someone living intentionally and living in alignment with what makes them come alive. And that is individual to every single person. Mm -hmm. And I think if you guys are listening to this, like I've been saying in all my other podcasts, find what it is that makes you come alive. Find that thing. I think in my girlfriend's reading this book right now called uh, Ikigai. And it's about finding your, your passion, your, your purpose for life. And if you guys can just find that, and find out what makes you come alive, then that's what's going to help unlock the best version of you. And there's this other book that I read too called The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success by mm-hmm. uh, Deepak Chopra. And he talks about that uh, every single person has a god or a goddess embryo within them. Mm-hmm. And it's just up to us to discover what is that thing that's going to help us nurture and develop that inner god or goddess within us. So for you, it's your 
coaching with business for me it's my martial arts and spreading this message and it's individual for every single person so if you guys are listening try to find out what it is and don't be afraid to fail and enjoy the journey as we go right amen amen yeah don't be afraid to fail forward all right amber thank you so much for your time um what are your social medias or some kind of um websites that the people can reach you at if they want to contact you Sure. So I've got a couple. I've got a social social media, and then I've also got my business one. So um, if you want to reach me on a professional basis, um, Amber, A-M-B-E-R, at AmberLetham.com. And that's A-M-B-E-R-L-E-T-H-E-M. That's my email address. On social media, I am hi.amberjade kind of a, a little nod to Hawaii, right? Which I thought was kind of fun, but hi.amberjade. And then my my business one is just amber.letham. So that's how you that's how you were able to find me on Instagram. <laughs> all right, ladies and gentlemen. So for all of your business coaching, positive, motivational, inspirational posts, go ahead and follow Amber. Amber, thank you so much again for your time. This was an amazing conversation and I hope the people at home can get some value out of this. Makuni, thank you so much for having me. It truly is like my honor. So thank you for having me, inviting me on your show today. All righty. Aloha, ladies and gentlemen. This is Mikuni Munsayak signing out. Aloha. Mahalo for listening to another episode of Friday Night Kunani Patrol. Feel free to Friday follow my journey at Kunani Patrol on Instagram and Mikuni Munsaya on Facebook. Lastly, if you were motivated, inspired, or learned something new from this podcast, please support this show by clicking the Patreon link in the podcast description. Even just $1 a month would help support this show of creating content to help you all live your best lives. This is Mikuni Munsayak, signing out. Aloha.